but my goodness. I didn't even realize that was an issue. Acoustics <laughs> and, and sound and stuff like that. We have a cement floor where we broadcast, so it's just yeah. like, wow. But yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm really terrible at intros, so... Conversation on Tap, a smart podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Jose, and Joel is unavailable at the moment, unfortunately. I am recording this late at night, approximately midnight. Um, I have a glass of cold milk and a slice of cake, chocolate cake. So that's what I have on tap, quote unquote, on tap. So for this week, I'm just going to be airing the interview that uh, Ramon Kempmore did with Joel and I on his podcast, The Dad's Podcast Project. Joel and I have been MIA for a few weeks, and we apologize. It's been very frustrating. Uh, he and I recorded two episodes, uh, but when I went to edit the episodes, I discovered audio issues that uh, made the recordings unsalvageable. So Joel and I have purchased new audio uh, recording equipment, uh, for ourselves and for future guests. Um, and I just also want to give a shout out to Ramon from the Dad's Podcast Project because Joel and I went on his show and we were super impressed. It was like being on a real podcast. Um, he, you know, had an amazing podcasting space, uh, microphones, headphones, um, other machines with esoteric lights and switches and it was incredible, and it inspired us to um, upgrade our own show so that we're producing content for all of our listeners that is of uh, better quality. Long story short, <laughs> we're going to re-record the two episodes that we recorded earlier in the month and uh, share those with you in the uh, coming weeks. So we just want to thank you so much for bearing with us. Uh, for continuing to listen to our crazy podcast. <laughs> uh, also, I want to mention, you know, we've been recording this show now for two years. Uh, but I have to say, uh, we think 2020 will be the best year so far for Conversation on Tap. We thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we look forward to sharing with you all the new uh, interviews and discussions that we have um, in store for you. And uh, with no further ado, here is our interview with Ramon Campamore from the Dad's Podcast Project. Thank you. <laughs> Joel, so this different. is what I want us. This is what I aspire for us to have. This is like when you're listening to podcasts with the headphones. Yeah, yeah. It's like that really nice uh, sounds sound room quality. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, there's 
certain things that I had to do uh, with regards to, I mean, you see the uh, audio foam and stuff like that to diffuse uh, some of the vocals as it bounces off the walls in here right. uh, to cut down on the echo. But there's only so far you can get as a hobbyist before you have to essentially build a room. Right. And yeah. I'm not at that point. I don't want to build a room. So, <laughs> yeah, but my goodness. I didn't even realize that was an issue. Acoustics <laughs> and, and sound and stuff like that. We have a cement floor where we broadcast. So it's just yeah. like, wow. But yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm really terrible at intros. So, Jose and Joel from A Conversation on Tap, I want to thank you guys for coming by. Oh, sweet. And, you're recording now? I mean, yeah, we are. Oh, nice. There's, there's no real. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I've gotten feedback from people like, you need to record an intro and you need to do this and that. And it's like, I, I feel like it breaks away sometimes from the just yeah. a regular conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So what'd you guys have going on this weekend? I got my kidney stone blasted on Wednesday. <laughs> really? And have been kind of laid up. But uh, man, technology rules because what? Probably at least 30 years ago, we'd never been, I'd never been able to do that. And I just feel so much better. And it was a huge drain on my life. So I'm super happy right now, but I am a bit laid up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, uh, what did I do this weekend? Well, the last two weekends, is, it's been really busy. So I actually haven't posted a new um, episode yeah. in the last couple of weeks because I was, in, I was at Disneyland for three days with my wife. And then this last weekend, I was in Las Vegas for the CTA conference. Oh, nice. The Teachers Association conference. So, yeah, I've been busy. I am going to talk to you. Uh, separately about that, I'm really interested in hearing what what's going on. But yeah, can edit that out. <laughs> well, <laughs> that'll be the next episode. Yeah, of conversation on tap. Yeah. <laughs> How'd your daughter enjoy uh, Disneyland? She's been twice. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So it, but this time uh, we went sans baby. Really? This it was a nice, sexy Disneyland vacation <laughs> with the wife. Nice. Did you get a hotel? Yeah, actually, we stayed at the Grand Californian, which was really expensive. Oh, I yeah. don't Dude, recommend it. it. Um, but it, the nice thing was that they have the the magic hour before. You can uh, get in before the park opens? Yeah. So we got to hit all the major rides, all the, li the, all the rides that have long lines before the park even opened. So that was nice. We were done by noon, and then we got to go back to the hotel have our own magic hour and then uh, <laughs> take a nap and then uh, come back to the park and then just take our time. And then we also had Sunday. We also had magic hour on Sunday and then we were done by noon and then just headed home. Oh, okay. So when you go, do you actually check online to see how the crowds are going to be or yeah. you just kind of chance it? There's a, there's a website called isitpacked.com. Oh, okay. And so um, in advance, I went and we looked at the website, figured out which days were going to be the least crowded and then yeah reserve the hotel and prepared ourselves for that weekend we're right. planning on doing something like that too uh but we didn't know about is it crowded.com or anything is like it that packed .com. or is it packed.com sorry yeah yeah <laughs> did you guys go through like costco or did you go to get the package deal or did no. you go directly through disneyland's website no. we're those weird adults who um, love Disneyland, and so we have <laughs> annual passes. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Yeah. Now, there's a thing about uh, hating on adults yeah. who go to Disneyland a ton. There, there is. And a it thing. bugs me. I mean, I, I, I haven't been to Disneyland in over a decade, mm -hmm. and I can't wait to go back, especially to see the Star Wars stuff, but it's gotten so expensive that um, you almost have to like save up for it. Yeah. yeah. So, That's why the pass is so easy. I pay 100 bucks a month, and yeah, my wife and I both pay 
about a hundred dollars a month. And then we just go whenever we want. So this weekend we went, we will technically we went Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That would right there would be over $300. Yeah. But we have the pass. And so with the pass, we got to go for all, both parks all day for free. Well, for free, I mean, you know, based on the pass. Yeah. Right. So I think that's really good for people who live there. Like when, when I was working out in Santa Clarita, like right literally across the street or across the freeway from Six Flags Magic Mountain, I thought to myself that that would be perfect if you lived here and you were like mm. a high school kid. Your parents can just buy you a pass. Just go there every day if you want yeah. to to hang out. Yeah, after school. Yeah. Healthy, <laughs> good environment. You got police officers around, so nothing really bad's going to be happening. And yeah. yeah. That's, I, I totally agree. And my friends, you know, they set, give their kids uh, annual golf passes. It's kind of the same thing. Wow. So they're on the golf courses and, <laughs> and, and staying out of trouble, though. So yeah. whatever it takes, yeah. You definitely got to keep kids active, which is a real bummer, at least here in this area. We used to have a recreational center and recreational basketball, as well as I want to say like a summer kind of activity place for kids to go. And they got rid of that. It's demolished. It's now oh, no. like a, a shanty kind of skate park that even then they don't really want people out there. Wow. And then we also had one other place. It was like an internet cafe. And that's where kids used to congregate. And I don't know if there's a stigma against kids hanging out and having a place to be. Because I was a kid at that time when it was going on. And I felt like, oh, well, they, adults just don't want us to have a place. Right. But that's crazy because Napomo is only growing. Yeah. And they're going to end up building those things anyway in the future. So, yeah, what a shame. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a much bigger story, financials and everything like that, that I just didn't see at the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but I felt like all the places where we could go that were like healthy escapes uh, were quickly being taken away. Now, is that here or is that where you grew up? Uh, that was here. Well, I was born and raised here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was definitely here that it happened. Oh, man. Yeah, we have Abel Maldonado. In Santa Maria, which was a total boon. I don't t agree at all with naming it after the guy who got his money for, for uh, but you can't complain when we got that. And our kids generally use it, huh? Almost every kid I talk to, we're both teachers, they go at least yeah. a few times a year. And then actually uh, for our school, El Camino Junior High, whenever we have our eighth grade graduation, the dance is at the Abel Maldonado Center. Really? Yeah, yeah which is awesome because all the girls are in the hall or in the gymnasium, dancing, having fun. All the guys <laughs> are in the arcade room playing pool. Oh, um, what's that? Air hockey. And they have a bunch of PlayStations. So the kid, the boys are all doing that while the girls are dancing. Yeah. The smart boys are dancing, aren't they? There's a few. There's a few boys who are dancing. But, you know, if I was their age, I'd be playing oh, you know, yeah, the arcade too. as well. Yeah. And if it was all dancing, I'd be against the wall watching them dance. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like when, when I graduated from eighth grade, at Fessler, we had to dance like in the school cafeteria. Yeah. And I was a wallflower the whole time bored. Same. Yeah. Our eighth grade graduation dance was in the cafeteria. However, they did divvy it up because the cafeteria and the library were connected by like a movable wall, oh, which cool. was very interesting how like schools are very modular. Yeah. And it. you can create different spaces by just moving walls. Mm -hmm. And so they mo removed one of the walls so you, we can access the library. And in there, they had games for, for people to play. I was going to say, come to the library reading hour. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the uh, dance reading hour. Yeah, <laughs> That's not going to draw too many uh, junior high kids. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad they set up a bunch of it for games. We tried, we used to do uh, dances with Avid. I was an Avid teacher. And the time that I had one little section for video games, 
we drew way more kids than than no. I had just with the dance. So I learned and also set up a little photography booth. Oh, that's cool. Remember, right? You, you right. do dances now as an avid teacher. Yeah, so. oh, we didn't do one this year, but we've done them in the last couple of years. And yeah. actually, we get a lot of people showing up, when, yeah. especially when we do a photo booth. That's good because there was a, I don't know what happened. Maybe in culture, there was like a, a downturn in dance, dances for junior high kids, but we would get less than like 50 kids. Wow. And yeah, it we was, would make... you know what it was? It was because we did it during the day. It was just, you <laughs> oh, can't okay. have a dance during the day. Yeah. So we started having our dances at six. Yeah. And then it would go until eight. And then all the kids would go home, change, put on their nice clothes. Well, because we have a school that requires students to wear uniforms. Oh, really? So blue and white. So then they could go home and put on their like cool They're clothes. Does. Yeah. Yeah. That was that it's funny. That's a true privilege for them. It's, it is. it's a big moment. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. And all these boys, they dress all nice and they mm-hmm. come to dance and then they just stand around the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does that work? Because I remember when I was in middle school, they wanted to introduce the idea of school uniforms at Mesa Middle School. And up to like the huge protest of all the students. None of us wanted uniforms. Now that I'm older, it kind of makes sense. The yeah. less you yeah. think about what you're going to wear, the more maybe you'll think about your education and what yeah. work you have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, has there been any backlash from kids, like not the wanting to wear them properly? Or? But I think secretly at least half of them actually like it. They all tell you they hate it. The parents love it. The teachers love it. It you know it uh, decreases um, problems with feeling bad about your your clothes if you're not you know the richest uh, family it decreases gang activity for sure um it decreases inappropriate clothing especially by girls in junior high who are you know maybe a little more mature than than others what else does it help us with it's there's a inappropriate um content displayed by clothing so i had a friend well i have a friend who teaches at fessler and a few years ago um one of the students she sent to the office because he had this black shirt on with Mickey hands and it looked like it was rock, paper, scissors. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it was like, I forget. It was like oh, rock, LA. paper, shocker. Oh, Ooh. You know what the <laughs> Okay. That's is. new. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm familiar with that. And so she knew what it was. She <laughs> sent the student to the office. The office was like, there's nothing wrong with this shirt. As so the they, old guy, I'm going to have to look up a shocker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyone listening, you guys can look it up podcast. after. <laughs> Let's not go. We yeah. can talk about it on our podcast. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, so the office had no clue what was inappropriate How about funny. the shirt. They looked it up, and then she got suspended. Well, yes, after, but she sent the kid back oh. and said, "No, no, 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 look it up." Oh, and yeah. Then there was, but we have no, we don't have those issues. My yeah. issue is like tuck in your shirt. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. it. Well, every year you almost have to re-educate yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm sure on new slang terms, yeah. on new. Yep. Like symbolisms, we were having the conversation, my wife and I, just about how uh, she was feeling frustrated about. um, Won't put anybody specifically out there, but an individual who was using the term "legit" in incorrect context. Mm -hmm. But I had to explain to her. Well, remember Marty McFly in Back to the Future (laughs) was using the word "heavy" in inappropriate and Doc. Doc Brown was like, what's wrong with the gravity from where you're from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just kids take whatever words they want and they they give it new meaning mm-hmm. to be something cool. 
Yep. Right. And so I'm sure every year you guys are coming up with like, I don't understand what you're saying. So a perfect example of that is this year we had during certain moments in class, uh, girls go, I think it's something like this. Jose, help me out. It's like, is that what it is? It's like a Visco girl. And it's the Visco girls. Okay. And, and none of the teachers except for like hip people like Jose knew knew what this was. (laughs) Did you, by the way, we had a few teachers who had junior high. I have no idea what that is. Oh, see, it's like a girl is like a throwback to the eighties. Do I have or nineties? Lots of, um, hair ties, scrunchies. What do they call those things? Leggings. Like the leg warmers. Yeah. And, and I think that, that sound came from a, a TV show where they like glorified uh, the 80s and 90s. Probably. Maybe. I don't I can't know. Remember, or no, no, no. It's a YouTube channel or a bunch YouTube of YouTube girl channels. Or yeah. Someone, yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing is like, they go, yeah. Yeah. So none of us <laughs> so teachers nice. knew it. Now, that wasn't bad, <laughs> so but you're exactly right because we have to keep up with, with these slang things because half of them are, are totally inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then I ruined them. Yeah, I know. I'm like, you, All right, we kids, use them ourselves. <laughs> your teacher's going into beast mode. <laughs> They go, oh no, Miss Rodriguez, you're making it not cool. <laughs> or like we use old ones, like, oh man, YOLO, no, YOLO, yeah. Or, oh man, what's that one that that like boom? Or I can't remember. But uh, like boom shakalaka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh gosh, we just embarrassed the heck right. out of them. So. Or if I go, oh man, you guys are gonna have a tubular lesson today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be rad. Yeah. Oh, but so, your kids aren't at that age though, where they're using those cool slang terms. No, but I mean, our son makes up certain words. Like uh-huh. we don't want to, we don't want him to use the word "stupid" in reference to us. Uh-huh. So he now created the word like "stoony." Uh-huh. Really? So smart. like, okay, stoony, yeah. and it's like we know what you're trying to say <laughs> they to us. Are so good at walking right on that line, yeah. without quite stepping over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh, that's great. Smart kid. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then now he's at the age where he's really getting hype uh, with movies. So I almost have to, like, if it's before bedtime, we can't watch a movie that gets really amped. Yeah. Um, because he'll then get to that level. Like, we're watching, we're still watching Moana because our daughter, now she's really into it. But now our son is trying to mimic Maui mm-hmm. and all of his... Uh, mannerisms yeah so he's walking around with this stick and like it's his hook and he's jumping up and he's on the couch like he's jumping on this little boat or the canoe and just all this stuff and it's like well we can't watch this before bed now right this is just too intense i gotta ask as somebody who's got three boys do you see a huge difference between your your son and your daughter or um i mean because there's this debate going on in society about, <laughs> there's no difference between the boys and the girls and some people make too much of it some people make way too little of it i mean as as a father of a boy and a girl i'm so jealous by the way <laughs> right i would say think? that that's um there's a difference in there's there'll be a difference in personality for sure uh whereas our son he'll get really angry and show that rage and be upset uh, I think our daughter is learning how to play us. So uh, yeah. she'll rage and get angry, but then she'll look to me and give me that fat bottom lip <laughs> and, oh, yeah. you know, start, you know, crying or whimpering. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I've got a side with your mother on this. So you're just going to have to get mad at me too. Yeah, oh, man. But with that too, raising three boys, they were all raised the same, I'm sure. Yep. And that's one of the things that we want to implement, at least in this house, because my wife was the youngest with three older brothers. And she questioned why she had to do dishes, but the older brothers didn't. Absolutely. So we're, we're at least planning 
on taking the approach of raising them both equally. Right. Mm -hmm. And And that's happened to everybody. That's just old school, but it's just changed. I think for the better. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you guys. So they'll both be doing dishes. They'll both be doing laundry and they'll both be doing yard work. I mean, now I'm not expecting both of them to operate like the equipment, like a lawnmower or a weed whacker or anything like Mm -hmm. that. But if there's expressed interest or they're, they're of age, like I feel like I'll be able to gauge that later on because we were talking earlier about how I finished my um, economics course and just learning about, I think it was the like time savings. It's not the fact that the woman does the housework and the man does the yard work, but it's the time savings that the man can mow the lawn two times over in the time it would take him to clean the house. So in order to save time, they kind of specialize in, in what they do best so that yeah. they have more free time. Specialization in the household. That's, yeah, I, that's exactly. never occurred to me. Yeah, that's a good actually, concept. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's not to be, uh, hopefully that doesn't come off as sexist or anything oh, like it that. it does. Don't worry. <laughs> it will. For some it's an example from the book. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm totally jealous you guys get that experience. I totally see it. The girls in junior high, I mean, we all remember, they play psychological games with each other. They do. They absolutely will destroy each other psychologically and it be the any kind of social media becomes a weapon for some girls and it just very rarely happens with our boys and it's such a difference oh the girls totally do and and they they know it oh yeah and they, uh, they'll do that to me as well really girls will try to play like the poor me card or um i don't know like they'll try they'll try to take advantage of my kindness Oh, but Mr. Rodriguez, it's that time of the month. Or, you know, <laughs> Jeez. and the boys are—I don't know—the boys are a lot simpler. Yeah, they're—they are way. And this is another trope, maybe, but they're way less mature on average. The there's boys, some, the boys are for yeah. sure. Yeah, there's just no doubt about it, and you really see it in junior high. But I'm super jealous because there's so many great things you guys are going to see with your girls, and I really would have raised my girl the exact same way that mm-hmm. I, or I raised my boys. And that's what's changed in today's world. Yeah. Girls can absolutely do it now. They wouldn't, all these doors would have been closed before. Yeah. And now you just raise them the same way and they will just right. bust through them. That's awesome. Well, I, I do have to say that my sister, she was um, the youngest of the three. And then my littlest brother came 12 years later. So, um, but we didn't really grow up with my youngest brother, Jesse, who is, you actually, you had my brother. Jesse. Both of us, yeah. And um, I mean, I considered you a teacher at that point, so oh, we both you. did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so my sister has grown up with all these boys. So my sister very, was very much a tomboy, even though now my sister doesn't really seem like she is. She has qualities that are kind of tomboyish. She's very athletic. She's very fit. She was on this podcast recently <laughs> and did not mention me at all <laughs> on my podcast. Um, though I do have to say my brother-in-law did obliquely referred to me when he said, oh, my brother-in-law listens to podcasts. Yeah. That was funny. But um, but she was empowered by being the little sister. Yeah. 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 So she, but she didn't become like the the little girl, typical little girl, I guess, playing with dolls and being all yeah. princess-like. Um, I'm sure she had those moments. I just don't recall. She's very into like what we, the boys, were doing. Yeah. And if she had dolls, we destroyed them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's tough for me because when Christmas came around... And I don't know, I think it goes to, I really want my kids to find themselves and express who they are. And then I'll just either guide or encourage that. Mm -hmm. So like gift buying, our daughter's so young, I don't know if she wants a doll. So I didn't think to buy a doll. 
So I figured a good default was a teddy bear. And because maybe she doesn't want dolls or maybe she doesn't want this doll. Or I feel like I don't want to be too heavy of an influence on who they become or what they're going to do. I want right. to offer a lot more. If you're interested in dolls, then we'll go that direction when you express that interest to me or yeah. when we're in the store and you point and it's like, you want that. Okay. But I, I don't know. Like it, it was a kind of a weird experience. Like, you know, should, if, if you played sports as a kid, then you very well might raise your children to just by default, you race, you, you play sports right. or I like this team, you know, with the Super Bowl coming up and it's like, you like this team too. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. yeah. Instead of, no, I think you're doing the right thing. Just find out what their passions are and go with it. But you can't help it. Yeah, they, they, they'll rub off on, you'll rub off on them for sure. Yeah. For sure. And, and you're, you were athletic, right? When you were younger. Yeah. I played tons of sports and, and my sons automatically did because not because, well, you know what? Here's something interesting as we're talking about parenting. There's two minds on, on whether or not you force your kids into sports. Mm. And, and I'm a strict dad. And I absolutely um, forced my kids into sports. And I would totally suggest that. And people are going to rail at me. I don't care. Because they're boys. I mean, they would just go nuts in the house if, if I didn't, for one. And I think there's a ton to be learned in a team. I mean, yeah. as much as there is in school. And they're such team players now. And I'm really proud of that. And I know a bunch of that came from sports. And just now, like... I've stopped playing sports to a certain extent as I get older. And I think they're going to be playing until they're 70. And, and, and they're just so into fitness now. And it just makes me so proud. And all that stuff came from sports. And there's this big deal now where, no, you don't force your kids. You, you ask them if they want to play. I don't know. You kind of, uh. I mean, just find something. It could be ballet. That's a sport. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Well, I wasn't forced to play a sport growing up, but I was told, you have to do something. Yeah, there we go. So here's this list. You can do karate. You can do basketball. Exactly. There's football. There's all these things, but you've got to do something. There we go. Right. I mean, summers, we didn't get to sleep in. We were, I mean, my daddy was in the Marine Corps, so we. I felt we were up at 6 a.m. Maybe it was <laughs> 9, but it felt like it was super early. Nine is 6, yeah. Yeah, and summers, we also studied. We had to read a book. We went to the library. We, had, to, we had homework over the summer. Awesome. Now, that's something that I would like to implement. However, you know, when you're married, you have to find that happy sure. medium. Sure. My wife is like, no, nah, I just want the kids to do nothing. It's like, well, <laughs> we'll find something in the middle, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Great path. I, um, yeah, my grandmother, my grandfather, they raised us. I have never had an inclination for sports whatsoever, but my grandmother put me in Boy Scouts. And when I was older... I, I bowled. I was on a bowling league. Oh, actually, I did have a stint playing uh, Little League. Yeah. And okay. I was horrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was in right field. And I would always kick, go for holes, pick daisies. <laughs> You're that boy. Yeah, I would look up at the sky and kind of just spin around until I was dizzy. Yeah. The worst. Yeah, that's where if it becomes just like traumatic <laughs> which it might yeah. have and it does for it does some because kids. then i would it would be my turn right to hit the ball and i would miss every time yeah and you're asking your kid to do something that they're not good at and that's 
deadly. Yeah, yeah and I was I was missing the ball. I would strike out literally every time, and I could hear my teammates groaning because yeah. it was my turn. Yeah, and probably back when we were kids, there was a lot less uh, choices out there. So maybe, right. but Boy Scout was great for you, right? Perfect. And you're a tennis player too. So I mean, well, I that, did that happen That's because true. just your own personal? Um, actually, my grandmother had a contact through um indian ed i believe yeah and then yeah through there she's like would you like to do this and i thought sure and actually i became really good at tennis <laughs> yeah but by myself yeah playing doubles ugh, not so much but yeah bowling tennis i'm good at so like solo play yeah so i like to play with myself <laughs> i knew that was coming i Sorry. saw that so far ahead i, know, and I was wondering if you could pull that out <laughs> but yeah and then boy scouts i was really good at but I like, like you said, it's the team, it's the community aspect. Yeah. Um, so you don't become like, you know, you don't, you don't grow up thinking that you're an island. Yeah. You know? Like I enjoyed playing basketball. I was not good at it. I mean, I was, I would say if there was like, I was probably below average. I wasn't terrible, but it was fun. I enjoyed like, like the team aspect, but I'm more solo play as well. And I was terrible at baseball and all those things. And one of the things, like, I'm curious as uh, teachers, do you guys find that there are students who just are just naturally gifted at something, like even in the classes that you teach? Because uh, the company I work for, we go out with this welding trailer for career days uh, at different schools. I'm not actually sure if we've ever been to your school. Uh, it's we a have big, welding trailers there, so you might have, yeah. It's a big Lincoln welding trailer, big red trailer. I think that was there. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I had uh, the pleasure of going out a couple times I think I had been out to the continuation school up on the Mesa. Mm -hmm. uh, was that Lopez High? And then another one like tucked out in Guadalupe, like way out in the sticks. Like I had no idea there was even a school out there or how kids would even get there. And these were like little, little kids. And some of them, they were welding as if they had done it their entire life. Yeah. I was like, wow, you could get a job today. Like, you're really good at this. And others, it's like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, there's no doubt that some kids just have a knack for certain things. Yeah. And it divides itself in school between like humanities and more math and science related stuff. But it's way more specific, like welding. We sadly don't have shop anymore in oh, our man. district, at least. And I think it's so sad we don't have, instead we've, we've replaced it with good stuff, which technology and programming and recording this type of studio would be right. in, in our class. Yeah. But we've lost the hands-on stuff that so many kids just, and girls too, you know, yeah, just loved. And, and it, man, there are so many great jobs out there without going to college and college just gets pushed so hard on these kids yeah. without us telling them as much, dude, there, go be a welder, go be, a plumber, go be a carpenter, go be an electrician. Yeah. You can make more in many cases than anybody who's gone to college for four years. Yeah, the tradesman, that was one of the things that I had looked into because I, I went to Hancock for like a year and a half just to learn the welding because I took it in high school, but then I stopped and then I just jumped right into the trade. And the amount of time that I spent actually working with my skill versus going to school and uh, you know amassing student debt and things like that, it ended up being a much more rewarding experience for me. But then now as a machinist, I'm like now looking into things like you talked about, computer programming, software engineering, stuff like that. Yeah. A direction that I kind of feel our 
at least our maybe our country might be leaning more Absolutely. towards kind of know. like the combination of, of the two it's just so fun to see um what is the machine called where you just program it all on a computer or oh, cad machines yeah yeah i just love that and our kids would gravitate towards that i mean um, they're just hands-on a lot of our kids really i think cnc yeah. shops would be pretty awesome oh, they have one at hancock that is pretty good um I, yeah i remember and you probably experienced it you guys when you were in high school um i had the welding shop i mean we had an electronic class um but then when my parents went to school they had leatherworking woodworking yep and this was all Way same more. high school roy grandy high school yep. They lose them. Yeah. We had Mr. McKitchens and Mr. McGee, and they were instrumental in my life. Um, mm -hmm. One was a sh uh, wood shop, and the other was metal. So you went to Fessler. Yeah, we both. So did I. And um, I had, yeah, wood shop and metal. Yep. And I never thought that I would, I would enjoy those classes, but I got to make a hammer. Yep. I got to make like metal, like toolboxes. And you probably still have those on display in your house somewhere, right? <laughs> I don't. Ah, uh -huh. I do. I've since lost them. <laughs> oh, I guess but it wasn't that important to you. It was, but I've moved so much. Yeah, no. to, it, it, you know, but for someone like myself, I'm more, I don't know, intellectual and I don't want to like. Theoretical, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm abstract. I'm, yes. I would rather read a book and contemplate and think yeah. than use my hands. Yeah. That's the kind of learner learner that I am. But a lot of our students, they're very hands-on. Yeah. And so you give them a task that requires them to use their hands to get up out of their seat and they thrive. And I think that's true with a lot of our boys. Yep. And it's true with the girls as well. But I think girls, because I think most of them, most of them are very verbal, they're cool with just sitting, talking and listening. So I think our school system is geared more towards girls than for boys. Again, that might be a sexist thing to say. No, but, but there's tons of statistics right now it's very easy to prove there's a crisis for boys mm -hmm. in in america boys are in prison at nine to one or nine and a half to one rates um there i mean you go on and on drug abuse homelessness mental health suicide every negative um yeah. behavior is way more represented by boys so we've lost in education i think mm -hmm. the hands-on stuff there's a great movement called Makerspaces. Have you guys heard of yep. this? Uh -uh. We need to bring that in big time. Yeah. Santa Maria would be perfect to have yeah. a makerspace. Yep. They have like something similar, but it's more like just rented office space up in San Luis Obispo where you can go in and if you just want to rent a cubicle or you want to rent like an, uh, a board meeting room, uh, you can do that. And this helps people who are in uh, software, computer technology to do a startup. But like a makerspace would be great to have a 3D printer, to have a CAD program, to have like a simple lathe and a, and a manual mill at least yep. to, to develop things and to, to create stuff uh, I think would be really great. Would as well as teaching people the respect that they have to have for tools mm -hmm. because yep. tools don't know the meaning of stop. Yep. <laughs> they just keep going. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah, that was a big part of uh, Woodshop. Kids every year... Uh, going too far and getting suspended and almost getting their finger chopped off. But that's a huge learning experience. Yeah. My uh, brother-in-law is a, uh, he's got almost like a makerspace in San Clemente. Mm. Like one of his uh, modules is kids flying drones. Oh, nice. You know, that wow. type of stuff. That's a huge job that is completely being overlooked that junior high kids, any kid, which is gravitate towards. Totally. Man, yeah, I actually have some students who have drones on their own. Oh, yeah. And they love, yeah, it's that tactile, kinesthetic 
aspects. Spying. Spying. <laughs> combined with spying. And then combined with like technology. It's, it oh, doesn't absolutely. have to be either or. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, and then the laws have to catch up like really quickly as soon right. as uh, you're mass producing drones with 4K HD cameras on them that can yeah. fly like, you know, miles out. Yeah, as high. <laughs> it's so interesting reading all these stories about these drones that are uh, interfering with flights. You're like, yeah. what? And yeah. yeah, I mean, shoot them down. I'm like totally for And now they've got this drone that is like an anti-drone drone. And, and really? it's, it's, it's there to, to shoot down other drones. I think this is such, it's cool. like the uh, drone wars. <laughs> We're getting there. It's wow. fun. Kind of like that old show, BattleBots. I don't know if you guys oh, remember that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> so that's another thing. Actually, we have Mesa, which is a club at our school. Uh, Mesa, it's Math, Engineering, Science, Academics. Oh, nice. Or, I don't know what the A is. I think it's Academics. Yeah. Or is it Achievement? Or it could be Awesomeness. Arts. Awesomeness. Let's yeah. go with Awesomeness. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, in Mesa, they learn all these cool scientific things, including how to program robots. Yeah, and they have competitions yeah, to fight. Fun. It's really cool. They don't, they're not as cool as that one robot show. Yeah. But it's like they build these like levers that they program to like flip over the other one or to like push or ram other robots. Oh, oh that's yeah. cool. It's really cool. I mean, there are many kids in college as engineers and graduates who have gone through our great M, uh, Mesa program and yeah. that, that program changed their lives. The advanced program that they have here at the Napomo High School, I think where like the students create their own curriculum or... Something like that. It's like the smartest of the smart go to to this special section of the the high school. And it's like they have a robotics team and everything. Mm -hmm. And we actually had a couple uh, robotics kids intern um, where I work for a summer. And then the robotics team out of the Orchid Academy, they came out and displayed some of their robots that they they had made. Wrote the code, built the robot. I mean, all of the moving parts and everything. And what's really cool about that, because it's also a team aspect, much like physical sports, but this one's more mental. Mm -hmm. I was curious if there was like any diva or devo mentality from the design (laughs) to the actual engineering, like, because someone's got to say, this is the way I want it to look. And someone say, well, this is how it's actually going to work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Our students do design their own robots. There, (laughs) There are kits where they have all the parts and then our kids assemble them. Um, they do their own design and everything, but I don't know that we have any kids who are kind of I don't know hot shots about it. Yeah, I'm sure there are. I'm I mean, sure I'm in Mesa there weren't. Yeah, yeah, because just some kids are just geniuses at it. Yeah. Now I think I remember Napomo having just one, or maybe that was a couple of years ago. A huge I don't know if it was robots, but it was maybe debate or or something like academic decathlon and something like that. Napomo's got some program that just kicks butt nationally, I think. But really? I should have brought that oh. edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. I yeah, I've got to look programs. into that. Because that's also another thing that, well, both you and I, as our children grow older, we're going to have to look at mm. is schools. Mm-hmm. And oh. though there's like a pool of schools to choose from in Santa Maria, in that area, here it's limited. Yeah. True. So looking into, I mean, I went to school at the elementary right down the way as a kid. And I had no problems. I thought it was great. You turned out perfectly fine. We moved back. It's fully gated now. We can't even take our kids after school to play on the playground. And we hear bad things about, I don't know, like ESL students and all this other stuff. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, as long as they're still getting a good education, right? Like what are the, what's what's that like? What's the the teacher to student ratio like? I mean, I just, 
I don't know if you guys see this as educators, like uh, at least I feel like there's more of a push towards private school being better than public. And I grew up in the public school system. I'm a huge fan of the public school system. Me too. We both are. I mean, I have a lot right. to say about that because I sent my son for one year because I went to St. Joe's as as somebody who's always gone through public schools. Then I went to St. Joe's. It's a private Catholic school in Santa Maria and sent my son thinking, of course, he's going to go there. There's no doubt. There's just too many problems at Santa Maria High School. And it would have been just... It would have been in, unconscionable of me at one point in my life to send him to a public school, high school. We had a change somewhere along his freshman year, and there were things going on at St. Joe's. And my son, it turned out, was fine going to a public uh, high school. Sent him there, and Santa Maria sometimes kicked around as as a, a gang school or right. low school, and yeah. it's very low academically because it's in a low socioeconomic area. Man. It was the best decision, literally the best. And by the way, the schooling decisions you'll make probably someday, both of you, mm-hmm. are going to be the hardest in your lives. I mean, and I don't fault anybody for sending their kids to, to private schools if they, if they feel like everyone's got to make their own decision. Yeah. But man, for us, sending our, all of our kids eventually to Santa Maria High School was the best decision. And you know what? You're going to have a, a real experience at a public high school. You're not going to have a real experience right. at a private school. And that's kind of my take right there, what you just mentioned, was um, when you are in a private school, you're in a sheltered environment. Yes. Only certain people can afford to attend a private school. And then, of course, private schools many times, like with charter schools, they get to pick the cream of the crop. Right. Yeah. So you're super sheltered. So do you, do you lump in charter schools with private like I do? I, I do. Mean, yeah, I do too. I because them all together. It's not a real life. It's situation. not a real life it's experience. Not a, yeah, it's not a cross section of, of your population. Right, and that's not to say like they don't have they don't offer great courses or curriculum or what have you. They they do, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. But the population is more uh, narrow in terms of um, the, either race or socioeconomic yep. um, class. It's the education beyond the academics. Right, and so at the public school, you're getting every walk of life and you're encountering people from every socioeconomic level. Um, you might encounter the gangbangers for sure. Yep. The theater <laughs> it's nerd, important. Band yeah. geek, jock, just the average kid just floating yeah. through. Mm-hmm. You're going to encounter everyone. And I think those are skills you need to survive in the real world, to survive in the workplace. Well, and with the thing about how you mentioned a charter school, at least my understanding of it is a lot of them, it feels like, well, they get, is it government kickbacks for test scores, which is why they would choose the cream of the crop, why they would be so selective in being like, well, this is what we can show on paper then. Right. And it, it, to me, that doesn't seem like it's so much about the student anymore. Right. Um, charter schools, uh, all schools, and it's less so now, and, and the trend is, is positive. As teachers, I think we agree mm-hmm. that test scores are being uh, used less and less. We went through that horrible uh thing where uh, schools were being totally punished for their socioeconomic uh, area, basically, right? you know, which is just, and that's going away to a certain extent, but charter schools do, um, I don't want to say recruit, but they do try to get the best kids because then their scores are going to be better. And right. so it's not a representative population. But then all. people will say like, well, look at how great their scores are. Yeah. Well, of no course. Duh. Yeah. You have basically like scooped the cream off the top of the entire 
you know, surrounding area. And then you're trying to portray yourselves as being like the best. Yeah. And it's so frustrating reading stories in newspapers without them, you know, basically giving the basic facts about yeah, cherry picking. Right. And That's... it's one of the things that I think as, as a parent um, who I, I feel like I'm very observant to the world around me. Um, it, it's, it's a shame for those to think that just because this school maybe costs more money yeah. than a, than a public school or has better test scores that your child will just naturally assimilate and now become a better student because of it True. or get a better education yep. because I, at least me personally, maybe you guys, we won't even mention it on the podcast, <laughs> but I do not know a single teacher who does not rise to the occasion for their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it is a, it is a, a passion right. it has to, to, be, yeah. to be an educator, to teach the next generation of students. It's a vocation. I would, yeah. for me, I describe it as a vocation. Oh, yeah. It, you, that's why I think, uh, teachers uh, leave the jobs at higher rates than pretty much any job. Is Within that true? The first um, five years is half. Yeah, it's incredible because if you don't have it, you've got to leave. It's just going to be so draining on you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Here's another great thing about sending your kids just to the local. There's this uh, phrase, I guess, sending your kid to the neighborhood schools and and the horrible drop-off of neighborhood, the love and the support of neighborhood schools. It's that if you do, our kids, that's, I hope I'm not going to sound like a braggart, but our kids <laughs> are going to be probably above average for our, our schools and where we live. Yeah. Okay. Your kids are going to be in leadership roles. For sure. My kids ended up going to UCSB, UCLA right now, and my other kids probably going to go to UCLA or Berkeley or something because they've been in leadership roles. They've been leaders throughout their lives. But California actually takes the top 10% of a school. Doesn't matter if like Palo Alto has their entire population scoring higher than your low socioeconomic uh, high school. Mm -hmm. They still just take 10% from Palo Alto and set 10% of uh, Santa Maria High School and send them to UC schools. And that's I feel like almost a cheater. Oh, yeah. I actually saw the same thing where it's like um, when it came to the, again, from my economics course, uh, picking how many students can go to a certain school, you have to have these sort of like qualifiers. For one, it's like, okay, well, let's set the SAT score at this. Now, everyone with it less than, we're not even going to look at you. And then let's set the, you know, ethnicity maybe, which I think, in news recently has got some universities yeah. in hot water. Yep. So maybe yep. they're not looking at that anymore, <laughs> but uh, all these other things and then extracurricular activities, what'd you do for your neighborhood? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, if only one kid from say Wyoming wants to go to Stanford, well, that kid's getting in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Over the 50. In, I mean, yeah, they do uh, cater to locals. So for those who live in California and the central coast that want to go to say Cal Poly, uh, you might have a leg up over someone from Los Angeles, mm-hmm. but still someone from out of state where only a handful of them want to get in uh, to to diversify the populace of Absolutely. the school. Yeah. And the private school kids are all competing against each other and it becomes yeah. a rat race and sometimes it's super unhealthy. Yeah. And I just want to mention too, we teach at El Camino Junior High, which is I think one of the lowest socioeconomically in the city. There it's, might be, except for I think maybe Bonita. I'm not sure. We're one it's of the, the lowest low. junior high. For sure, it's the lowest family. junior high. Not that we make that's that's a benefit for both of us. Yeah, well, we it's, love that. Yeah, I I love it. These kids are so 
humble. Yeah. And they, they come from families who work really hard. Yep. But um, I, I do want to say that I teach AVID, which is a basically a program that um, helps kids eventually go to college. And you taught AVID as well. Um, but my students, what we've been doing is researching colleges, researching majors, researching careers, right? We just went through a whole thing with my students where we went through goals, setting smart goals. Um, they had to do a narrative based on an obstacle or a challenge they faced and overcame in their life. And then we're taking all that information and I'm having them write practice um, application essays for colleges. So, so they're getting in a, they're getting a head start in like seventh, eighth grade. I think a lot of the public thinks that, oh, that's a low school. So my kid, if I send them there, they're not going to get a really rigorous curriculum. Yeah. That is totally wrong. Yeah. These they feel like they're not going to get a good education. Exactly. It's just wrong. So the perception is super wrong. Yep. And, and cause they're, maybe they're going online. They're like, well, look at their, this school's test scores. They're really low. Right. Right. I think there's average. so many factors that are involved because though I feel that uh, the teachers are providing the education, mm -hmm. it's also what they do at home. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, so my true. wife and I, we have to prepare ourselves for setting that time aside to sit down with them and do homework. I was left to my own devices. It's like, did you do your homework? Yeah, even though I didn't all the time. And so I kind of just coasted through. Yeah. I was also in the AVID program when they first introduced it in the eighth grade at Mesa. Oh, cool. And I thought to myself, like, what is this class? I, I was more like just, I was not the ideal student at the <laughs> yeah, time. I wasn't either, yeah, at all. <laughs> yeah, I was more like a renegade. Like, I'm going to get on my Harley with my, my leather jacket. I'm out of here. Yeah. AVID, <laughs> yeah, you kids. And so every single one of them, they all went to college. I didn't. And I almost feel like had I stayed in that and throughout high school, because they also had an AVID program at Aurora Grandy, uh, maybe I would have uh, been encouraged to do that because sometimes the people you hang out with will also influence you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great program. It's basically for people who are listening and don't know about AVID, it is basically trying to get the kids who in the past, because they're like middling between 2.5 and 3.5, it's not necessarily for 4.0 kids who just didn't, for whatever reason, go to college. It gets right. those kids a little extra push. They actually work on schoolwork in class uh, to get into college. And it's gotten literally tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids who otherwise wouldn't have gone to college yeah. into college. Yeah. It's for those C students, yeah, C to C B students. And push then them up to A's. Push them up to A's. And then also we really push for first generation yeah. college students. Yeah. And we make them take the hardest classes in right. high school. You have to. Yeah. Which is oftentimes they wouldn't, or it's sad to say in education, sometimes it's, we say, Oh, you can't take that class. You don't have it in you. That's baloney. Right. So AVID is all about the... In, so AVID basically is an acronym for Advancement Via Individual uh, Determination. So okay. it's kindling the flames of their, um, I guess, internal desire to achieve. Yeah, but I getting like back to what we were talking about earlier, AVID has a problem with... And I know Jose, even though he's an AVID teacher, agrees with me, yeah. pushing only college. And man, in education, yeah. we have to push vocational we do it's not everyone's so gonna go to college so yeah. that's just the reality not yep. everyone wants to go to college and so i think our whole school system needs to shift from focusing on yeah churning out you know future college students to having a dual path one that could lead to you know some kind of craft or vocation and then the other path leading to college i just heard the most amazing statistic 
over 50% of Germans are on the vocational track. Over 50%. In the United States, it's well under 20%. Wow. I mean, I don't know that we need to go that far, but man, we need way more kids on that track. We do. Yeah. Especially in our area. Because though, like we were talking earlier about how, you know, Amazon is coming in and a lot of jobs, a lot of brick and mortar stores are now going out of business because of the internet and online buying or shopping. Uh, The idea of losing the tradesman or the trades position yeah. I don't think that that's something that would ever go away. No, it can't. no robot is well. Though we do have a couple of welding robots, um, no robot is gonna assemble skyscrapers. Right. At least yeah. maybe in my lifetime. Yep. Uh, so you still need the iron worker. You do. You still need the the um, the 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 woodworkers to to build homes, and you still need the concrete guys and painters and all of that, and those. Those are not jobs that pay minimum wage, no regardless of what people may think otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it's a skill that does not require you to have a higher level of education. You don't need to take these extremely advanced courses. Even to be a, a contractor, to be a business owner, mm-hmm. you, it's really one of those one of those really great career paths that you just need to know what you're doing. Yep. And once you know what you're doing, you can be the boss. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, it happens so often. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Huh, I'm an underling. I don't like my boss. I'm going to start my own and they just take off. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this, this trend of, of the mixing of vocational with tech, you know, with you get into welding and then you end up programming this welding uh, right. robot, which so it's, it's fun. And these kids just, they gravitate towards that. And I think, um, so in, in education, we kind of have been pushing STEM, which is like the science. And oh, yeah, yeah. But now I think the push is for STEAM, yeah. which incorporates the art. Yeah. Right? This being the, it's the creative element of science and engineering and math. Yep. And that's one of the things that I'm learning, uh, at least this semester. Um, I'm, I was telling Joel I'm learning uh, to code. So I'm learning to write JavaScript and, or Java, I should say. And one of the things that was stated in the book was that you should know how the user is going to use it. Yeah. A lot of times we have, in my experience, I've, I've had a lot of interactions with engineers and architects while working as a welder and then engineers as well while working as a machinist. And they have all the education under their belt, but not the practical knowledge, not the, the knowledge that with a simple mouse click, you can directly affect the shop floor. You can directly affect the way things happen out in the field and understanding that balance that though it looks right on your computer or on paper doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out here yep you have to that's why it it would almost be better if part of your engineering program to become an engineer you also have to maybe work in the industry oh it 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 should be a requirement it absolutely at least one quarter of getting out there before because it's the ivory tire deal that we see as teachers all these people who are making um, curriculum for us that have no idea what it's like really in the classroom. True. Same exact thing. Oh, I bet you guys were talking about like, um, cause last time I was on and we were speaking, like there's always something, there's always new acronym or new name for a yeah. teaching method. Yeah. <laughs> in, um, in manufacturing right now, it's uh, lean manufacturing and eliminating the eight wastes. And if oh, you eliminate wow. these eight wastes, you can, you can cut your costs and you could be more effective and certain things like that. And in teaching, I'm sure you had mentioned it on one of the episodes, how you had learned about 
there's this new like the I don't know the Dorothy method, and last year it was like the the Albert method, and yeah. every year it's something different, and it's probably just like you said from somebody who's who doesn't even teach in a class anymore. It's so true, and and not just for. Uh, professors, but we in education get politicians making curriculum. <laughs> That's when it gets really bad. Right. And I, okay, I'm just going to say this right now. Um, <coughs> president Obama was, to me, great president. Education policy sucked. <laughs> Arnie Duncan was, was horrendous. Yeah. Race to the top was yeah. awful for education. Yeah. Politicians making curriculum. Yeah, they just have no business doing it because they've never been in the classroom. And so once you start having people who think they know more than someone who's in the trenches, you know, I'm sure it's like in war. We have these, I'm sure, generals in their ivory towers making decisions that the guy in the trench is like, that's dumb. Yeah, and they just have to follow in suit. Exactly. And I, I, I wish that our government was more representative of the populace. It's... It's great that we vote for individuals in in politics, whether a governor, a senator, whatever their position is, even the president. And it, they, it's like, yeah, this is what the general public wanted. But you look at look at the resume. It's like a businessman, a lawyer, businessman, lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I think it was uh, either it was Bill Nye or it was um, that Neil. Guy. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, Neil deGrasse oh, yeah. Tyson. I always figure if it's Neil deGrasse or Neil Tyson deGrasse. So <laughs> just Neil. Um, where's the engineer? Where's the artist? Where's the scientist? Yeah. Where's where's the, the biophysicist? Where Absolutely. are all these people who represent everything? So then you can get them all in a room to discuss actual things that are going on in this world, whether it's global warming, is the earth really flat? I mean, all of these things. Yeah. And it's like, but when you have, it's just lawyers, lawyers. and businessmen. It would be immediately, no, that doesn't work. And somebody else jumping in, no, that doesn't work because of this. And, oh, okay, we need to tailor this to reality. Right. We need need those Renaissance men like Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Right? Thomas Jefferson was a philosopher. Yeah, he he had a a law background. He was a real hands-on inventor, too. Inventor. I think, I believe, if I remember, he invented the swivel chair with wheels. Yeah, there we go. Thank you, Which Thomas you Jefferson, for my right seat. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, he was an inventor. He was a Renaissance man. Mm. And you look at someone like Benjamin Franklin, who wasn't president, but yeah, also someone who was a Renaissance man. And we don't elect those kinds of people anymore. We elect people who have... Lawyers. We're lawyers. What business. is the percentage of, of lawyers in Congress? I think it's well over 50%. I think it's well over 50%. Yeah. yeah. They're definitely good talkers, and I think that That if you had an engineer, engineers are very to the point and very blunt. I think that it's like, this is the way it is, and it doesn't make sense why you're saying anything else. Right. Or they might just answer a question. I was on a jury with uh, 12 people, but I think that three or four were engineers, and one of them brought up, you know, uh, a lot of times lawyers will not allow too many engineers on the jury jury because <laughs> they will look entirely on the facts only and and they're way more likely to to convict than than yeah. other uh than other professions and it's true they're not swayed by your <laughs> yeah. no. eloquent objective yeah 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 cuz oftentimes we want to go with how we feel yeah and not necessarily that's i think that's a big problem in society um too much going with feelings and there's even a movement saying that's better, and we we haven't had enough of that in the past. I feel like no, 
No. We, we need to go more on the facts right. and keep your that's, feelings out of it. Joel, that's been something you've pushed on our podcast. Tons, yeah. We need to be more like Spock, more Spockian. Yeah, Spockian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is definitely very, uh, very black and white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Though um, I do like gray yeah. at times, but at the same time, um, what are the facts of things instead of, you know, how do I feel about this? What's my gut say? Off tangent, though, with that uh, Star Trek reference, is Quentin Tarantino really directing uh, the la- another a Star Trek movie? From what I've heard, that I didn't is, hear that. Yeah, that's the plan. Awesome. So there's going to be all kinds of carnage with uh, <laughs> lasers instead of uh, swords, and this I is going to be so interesting. Is he a huge fan? Oh, he yeah. must be. He I don't, yeah, and it's like yeah. I remember. Well, it was to it was a little underwhelming. I feel like there are certain movies and certain directors mm-hmm. that. Um, Whatever it is that, um, gosh, the Christopher Nolan, the Tenant, I think is his next movie coming out. Oh, yeah. I don't even need to see the trailer. I, I know his list of movies. I'm just going to go see it. Yeah. Just take my money. Yeah, uh, with, take my money. <laughs> same thing with Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, it's like, too. you're making a movie. Uh, we The Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we just oh, bought it. We just, so good. Should we rent it? No, nah, let's just buy it. Yeah. He makes good movies. And you need to see that uh so many times just to pick up all the different references yeah. and, and all the great areas in LA. Yeah. As a former English teacher, I was in love with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood oh, because yeah. I was looking at all the different symbolism and kind of, yeah, all the illusions and yeah, oh, it was so good. I but back fe- to, oh, go. Oh, no, I just, I feel like I watch movies so different mm-hmm. than I'll, we got to the end of it and I was like, man, that was a really good movie. I wonder, I wonder what I missed. So I looked yeah. at like Movie Explained on YouTube and I was oh, like, I love that. I did not watch the same movie you watched. (laughs) You're talking about colors. You're talking about sounds. You're talking about all this other story arcs. I must have missed all that. I I feel like I take movies at face value, Mm -hmm. and I want to look deeper into film and see that, well, there's a reason everything is on the screen Mm -hmm. and that, like, no frame is just an accident. Exactly. Yep. And so I try to analyze movies by repeat watches. That's why my wife gets irritated it. with me. Me too. Because I'm like, so this is actually like a moment where he's like Christ. Or yeah. like this is a yeah. moment where, you know, whatever. You know, this is a regeneration moment for him. I think we're all lovers of the present moment in history where we get to watch YouTube and just dissect this stuff. True. It never would have happened in the past no. unless you're in this great group that meets every month or whatever to, to dissect the these things and can watch it. Yeah. Yeah. But... Movie clubs. <laughs> yeah, movie clubs. Man, it's fun. I, I love watching several guys on YouTube who dissect movies. And man, it's like knowing the different colors of mm-hmm. lightsabers was a revelation. Oh my yeah. I mean, you Don't know about that started. already. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, Picard just came out. Uh, it's an yes. NBC. I can't get to it. And I, I really yeah, want to. Yeah, I can't to. get to it either. It's on, uh, it's on CBS. So what is it per month? That's just another. We talked about I, this overload of I'm not subscriptions. I'm not going to get that one. I can't, <laughs> I can't afford it's, it. But, it's overload. But but no. So the cool thing about Picard, I guess kind of tying back to Star Trek there, is that uh, it's filmed in San Ynez at what? one of our wineries. Sweet. <laughs> yes. Oh, and so my, basically, I, I don't know the whole background, but basically Picard is in retirement and he's getting drawn back in oh. for some reason. He's kind of going rogue. Oh, it's going to be but so hard not to pay that. He just works, lives in a winery, and 
I guess, yeah, he's in retirement. A very futuristic winery. You know yeah. what? Like, uh, what's that winery up in Orchid that's kind of futuristic? Oh, Presquil. Oh, Presquil, yeah. That, Presquil. Should, it should be, it should be it that should one. should be there. There's a ton of wineries that have that real modern look. Yeah. That, that's, I can't wait to watch that. But then, so I'm going to hit two points real quick. One, Quentin Tarantino said he would do 10 movies. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was movie number nine. Yes. <gasps> so Star Trek will be 10. Oh, he and cannot he's done. stop. That's no. why. Yeah, that's why people were wondering. This is not like an original it's him making a movie that's already has a universe has a life how are the red apple brand cigarettes going to make their appearance exactly. in the star yeah. trek movie yeah. um man will I'm this you just yeah will this my day. will this just count as like a 9.5 that's what yeah I've and heard. leave it open for a 10 would this not count as one of his and then he would do a 10th yeah I, interesting. I would hope that there would be a tenth. More and profanity that, and violence in Star Trek. Wait, but, but explain <laughs> to me his reasoning. Did if he gave it? I mean, why would he want to say he's so passionate? He seems to love it. Is it just one of his gimmicks? I Maybe know. there's things like you, as a as a director, you're probably like a fan of a series, and it's like I would love to do that. Mm-hmm. I would love to direct a movie like that, but your genre is so different right, and so true. far removed that maybe it just took all this time needed to a finally, from- yeah. Wait, did you just say he, he's going to stop his own movie making? Yes. Yeah. So I want to make sure I got this right. So Tenth you really did ruin done. my day. I did. <laughs> okay, I want to make sure. Oh, man. that's. But that's, if he does Star Trek, it's possible. That he continues that because he that's one movie. <laughs> one movie. And he, yeah. But he would do a tenth that was his own right. baby. Okay, his I own get it now. So then a question a for you guys. If this was not his last movie, mm-hmm. would you rather his last movie, if it, if it really was his very last uh-huh. Uh, as a fan, because clearly he's going to do whatever he wants to do. Would you rather it be another original or a sequel? Or you'd like us? Yeah, I'm signaling. You can't <laughs> see because we're not being recorded. I'm thinking Kill, Kill Bill, Bill three. Volume three. Okay. Because you want to see maybe uh, what's it? What's her name? Well, I want to see daughter. Black Mamba's daughter come after Uma for yep. revenge. That's what I thought. I'm trying to remember the plot. Yeah. So remember, there's that scene. I think it's Kill Bill Volume Two, where Uma's character basically is hunting down all the people who, you know, put a bullet in her head, basically. Right. Okay. And she kills Black Mamba with her daughter in the other room, and she walks in when her mom's dead in the kitchen. Yeah, she tells her daughter, "If you're still feeling what you're feeling now, and you get old enough, you come find me." Yeah, you can't leave that one open. No. So this would be Kill Bill Volume Three. Yeah. Okay, so Joel? I would go because with Star Trek, you know why? I want to see how he's going to... I'm super curious to see how he's going to do that. I think that, by the way, if he doesn't do a horror movie, he just talked, I just saw him on YouTube yesterday, Mm -hmm. talking about why he hasn't done a horror movie. Also, I want to see him do a horror movie, but I also really interested... He hasn't even touched on sci-fi yet, has he? Wasn't it going to be like Star Trek, but kind It'd of be horror, a horror film? Like a horror style. film? Okay, right on. So combining the elements. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sure. wacky. I'm sure you guys include... are pulling my leg right No, here. this is no. all. Yeah. Oh, man. No, I'm super curious. So that's the direction I could I see go. him doing like a Borg storyline or something. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, those got horrific, didn't they? Yeah, that's a horror. That would be horror film and Star Trek. But mm-hmm. it would it be like classic with... Uh, you know, the the cast that they currently have with Probably. Kirk and all them, or would he create a Star Trek movie within uh, the Star Trek universe? universe? Yeah, with maybe characters we haven't heard of, but I, I clearly say, races that we have. Yeah, I would think the second, but he could certainly do have a lot of fun with yeah. the first. Yeah, with the I think he would. Characters. I think he would do the original characters. 
And then I think he would go back more towards the original Gene Roddenberry style. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he loves like retro stuff. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I we have a coworker who used to work at the movie theater in Bealton. He was the manager. And so when um, Quentin Tarantino was filming uh, Death Proof, he filmed in Bealton. And he was staying at the Marriott next door to the hotel, or That's right. next to the movie theater our buddy was a manager of. And so Quentin would rent out the movie theater to watch movies. And he would show these old school movies, new movies, and he would watch old trailers. And so I had the opportunity three times to go watch movies with Quentin Tarantino and to watch trailers with him. And he is enormous. What? Yes. (laughs) So actually, I went, my first time I was late. So I walked in like, oh my God, I'm walking to the theater. It's dark. I don't want to bug him. And I walk in, I sit down. Like off, off to the side, kind of. Yeah. Like, okay, oh, I sit down, I settle in, and it's Borat. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm laughing. What a great movie. And as as the movie gets funnier, I hear this really hilarious laugh, and I turn around, and directly behind me was Quentin Tarantino. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, no joke. I inadvertently come in late and sat right in front of him. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I had no clue. That is so funny. And then um, another time was wait, wait, wait! I gotta ask. So did you stifle it, or I would have been intimidated? I, I was, say. and so I slinked down in my yeah, chair. Yeah, for sure. But he's, by all accounts, he's just a great guy. He's super loquacious. He well, just can't stop talking. He's very loquacious. Yeah. And uh, for the second time was Fast Food Nation, and he was sitting in the middle, and I sat off to the side again. I came early. Actually, I came early. I got to see him, Rosario Dawson, and some other celebrities as well. Wow. But someone fell asleep and was snoring, and he yelled at them, get the F out of here. Go in the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Awesome. He was going off. And then the third- What I always want to do. He can do it. <laughs> yes, he can do it. And the third time, um, I went, and I brought Reservoir Dogs, and I was like, could you sign this? And he's like, no, I'm just doing a thing. And I felt bummed, because I bumped into him. He is enormous. I literally, bumped, he was walking out of the theater as I was walking in. And I, yeah, he is enormous. He's an yeah. enormous man. But he didn't sign it. I was super bummed, but I understand. <laughs> he was, you know. That's got to be pretty interesting because I was watching, if you had seen the the Joker film. Not yet. Uh, when yeah. Well, no spoilers then. But when Joaquin Phoenix had won the award, that mm-hmm. might be a spoiler if you didn't know he won for the role. Yeah, he won for a SAG and Golden Globe. Yeah, yeah and I think it was during the SAG award. Or no, it was a Golden Globe, I think, uh, when he was in the back talking to the the foreign press. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had asked him how he had prepped for the role. And it was a real behind-the-veil kind of look into actors who are probably on these press junkets for weeks, if not a month or two on end, promoting a movie. And he is just like, haven't I answered that question enough? Yeah. And people got offended. And all this news, bad press came out about it. And I was just thinking to myself... I understand. Like yeah. he's saying the same exact thing over and over and over to different people. Yeah. There's nothing new. It's the same questions. He's probably thinking, I won the award. Can I stop answering that question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, great interview with him on 60 Minutes about three weeks back. If you guys have a chance oh, okay. to watch it. Oh, yeah. Really? Great interview. What an actor. And by all accounts, I haven't seen it. I'm really I'm gonna watch it real soon. My son just saw it and just raved about it. And I stayed away because the Initial reports was that it was violent, 
just to be violent and over the top. And now everyone I talk to says, no, it's absolutely ingrained. It's a great movie right. and, and the acting is amazing. So I think they got it wrong at the, at I the have beginning. Not, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. I have not seen it, but from what I understand, it's a combination of Taxi Driver, which is violent, The Comedian, which stars um, uh, Robert De Niro, yes. who I think, I think is an aspiring comedian, comedian. Um, and then the, um, yeah, so it's a combination of both of those films. Perfect. Which is funny because both of those star Robert De- Robert De Niro, and I guess he's in this movie as well. And which is interesting that uh, you mentioned you heard negative review about it prior to seeing it because I feel like with a lot of film, sometimes there's just really negative things uh, that are said about it. Right. <clears throat> uh, case in point was like the Witcher series on Netflix. Uh, people who wrote reviews about it, it seemed as if they had watched the first and the last episode and didn't watch the rest of it. Now it's like Netflix's top series out now uh-huh. and i really feel like i don't care to see anyone's reviews yeah. if i'm interested in seeing it i just want to go see it yeah and the fact that um i almost lost my train of thought there <laughs> um yeah talking about how how violent it is or how not even violent it is i think that we were having a conversation about this at work um, what are your thoughts on maybe teetering the line of making a film where you then sympathize with someone who is a criminal, a right. murderer, uh, oh, a violent person? So often now. I yeah. am the anti-hero. We teach this in English yeah. a little bit, and I'm totally into it. Although, I'm, I got to say, I'm a little worried about certain segment of the population actually thinking they're heroes and emulating them. And that's the problem. And, and there will be like, I'll never forget when Beavis and Butthead were huge. And (laughs) I was a teacher. I had kids in class who thought they were heroes and totally emulated them. And, and that will happen. I mean, so it's sort of like, I guess in star Wars, Kylo Ren is the villain. Yeah. But, but it's like, oh, top 10 to sexiest men in the galaxy, exactly. yeah. Kylo. Look at him with no <laughs> shirt on there. Oh, and Siths are always like the top Halloween costumes, and people love <laughs> to dress up as Darth Vader. And yeah. yeah. Oh, then, and then my wife and I, we watched, well, most of Sons of Anarchy until my wife was like, That too. Can't handle this anymore. But yeah, these are criminals. These are murderers. Wait, Breaking same Bad. thing with Breaking, Breaking, yeah, Bad. Breaking Bad, Sopranos. I, mean, I, I shouldn't say this, but let's list all the anti-hero. It just goes on and on. Let's not, but that is <laughs> a huge, huge shift. The the one that comes to mind is Fleabag. I haven't seen it. It's a I saw Amazon. the first uh, the first episode and then half of the second one, Yeah, but I have such limited time as a parent that oh, no, I can't I finish it. But I mean, you would, you would agree. It's just celebrating scumbaggery basically yep. it's just she's a full-on scumbag i've not seen it is that oh. what it's about but it is super it entertaining yeah. all yeah. i know about it is that the, apparently there's a hot priest and like the <laughs> traditional conservative catholics are pissed you might want to watch it check it out yeah, yeah. uh i would bring up certain scenes but it would be totally inappropriate so i mean because everything <laughs> in the thing is is sexual and inappropriate uh, yeah so i, I mean I, they open with it, it so it's like yeah. This is what you're getting into first uh-huh. first five minutes of the show. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like with um, House of Cards, to mm-hmm. mention my favorite actor of all time, Kevin Spacey. Just kidding. Um, yeah. Can you? <laughs> Just kidding. So you you can separate the art from the real We had that from... conversation on our podcast, <laughs> yeah, and that's... in a way you kind of have to. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, so House of Cards, like it's the first minute. Because if you've, have you watched House of Cards? 
uh, up until um, the, the allegation then became fact. Uh, so maybe first three seasons we okay. saw. So in that first episode, first minute, there's this dog who's been hit by a car. And he walks out to the, to the, you know, the body of this dog who's still alive. And he looks right at the camera and just basically says, like, some people can do this, some people can't. And he chokes the dog out until it's dead. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is what this show is all about. And if you can't hang with this yeah introduction moment you're not going to hang with the show well but, i like how there's that filter though yeah it's like we're letting you know exactly what you're getting yourself into if you are a conscious adult mm -hmm. then you will not watch it mm -hmm. uh, but some people want to take to twitter and take to youtube and social media and tell everyone you shouldn't watch this right yeah i think that it might be doing something to our society i don't know for sure i don't want to be a prude either but <laughs> i worry i i worry yeah. there are so many anti-hero shows now yeah that that people don't have the wherewithal i should trust people more than i am but i don't uh, i do think that there is a corrosive aspect to it um, well i think that you definitely want to you want to sympathize with why a person went about doing that mm -hmm. right. but we don't always have that 2020 vision with people why someone would do something so radical or so wild when we just see the outcome. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, in this safe space of cinema, we can see the entire path that led up to it. And even then, when you look into the film, uh, you might realize what it really means. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, definitely not taking things at, at face value all the time. Yeah. It's, it's understanding that you shouldn't glamorize it. Right. right. If you can look at it as a story element or device... To teach a larger lesson, but not to glorify it or to show like, hey, look, this person was a piece of crap, anti-hero, and they've been so successful, then people might want to emulate that. Yeah. Versus like, this is an anti-hero who's doing horrible things. This is a lesson that you can learn. Yeah. Like, um, you know, avoid this. You know? Well, I feel TV and cinema is one of the places that you should be able to be free to, to have these conversations and to tell these stories because... You don't want someone to actually have to go out there and experience themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember the terminology, but there's as humans, we experience things through through others. Mm -hmm. So we could watch someone say, eat something on the food network and we can kind of experience, oh, that's probably what it would taste like. That it looks like it would taste really good. Or you see someone hurt and crying in an emotional scene on like a television show and you feel emotional mm -hmm. and it's it's just through that interconnectivity you don't actually have to go through that yourself you don't have to go through a divorce to feel how sad it makes a person feel or you don't have to uh, commit a crime to feel how bad it is for the victims because you can watch it on tv and see it right vicarious living yeah it's like yeah. empathy having empathy yeah developing empathy i am not going to get a divorce at all <laughs> because job. last night my wife and i both watched marriage story oh and, yeah uh man at least if I do, I'm definitely not going to get a lawyer. But no, getting... Uh, <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. That was a wild movie. Yeah. Crazy movie. Great, I cried a lot. Great movie. Yeah. And man, this is the golden age of movies and TV. We are so lucky. I and mean, it, it sucks you in. Yeah. <laughs> it just craps you. It just won't let us go. It's it's fun. And Adam Driver is Adam Driver is an amazing actor. Oh, yeah. He, is. he did a really good Everything job. he does is amazing. There was somebody who uh, said that, can Hollywood not be so self-involved and maybe not make a movie about a screenwriter or a playwright and an actress going through some marital drama 
and make it about some real people? Yeah. Can it, you know, can it be a construction <laughs> worker and his, his wife who works part-time and goes to school full-time going through these hard times? Uh -huh. uh, but, you know. So ironic because the, some of the act, act, some of the behavior was so self-involved. <laughs> yeah. like, Look at you. Yeah. You can't get away from your own profession. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But I think we'll, I think we'll wrap there. I only say that because um, I can only upload podcasts that are so long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Very fun. But I definitely want to thank you guys for coming by. That's great. And, that was fun. You know, being a part of this podcast. And I look forward to being on your guys' uh, conversation on tap. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere you guys consume podcasts. And if you guys have listened this long, I want to thank you for sticking around. Thanks awesome. for having us. Thank you so much. So much fun. Great setup. Yeah. Beautiful ideas. Yeah. I'm totally <laughs> going to steal your podcasting setup. <laughs> oh, by all means. <laughs> all right, you guys. Until next time. We thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. You could do us a huge favor, though, by subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, such as uh, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. And be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Your rating will help others find this show. And be sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation on Tap. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Ooh, chocolate cake. Yes.